Ooh, amen, amen. How's everybody doing today? Amen. You know, thinking about that, Brother Jason, that story you were telling, uh, I was preaching Saturday night, and I was headed back home, and our great Louisiana roads, amen, hit a pothole in my car, blew out my tire, did a revival yesterday morning and yesterday evening. So guess what I'm in today, amen. I'm in my hunting Jeep I drove over here. <laughs> but I made it, amen. Nothing was stopping me. And so I was asked to come and share a little bit about my story today and my testimony and um, to talk about witnessing. And so I, guys, just let me pray real quick and we'll get to that. Heavenly Father, um, we're just so thankful that you've allowed us to gather here in your name, Father. I know that you are right here in the midst of us today. And so, God, I just pray that you fill the sanctuary up with your presence so thick, God. You just take over. Father, I pray that I just get out of your way. You take over. For apart from you, I can do nothing. And so, God, just use me today. This is your time. This is about you. They don't have to know my name, God. They just need to know the name above all names. And Father, we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, I was um, about 14 years old, sitting on the back row of a small country little Baptist church. And I felt God knocking at my heart. He was drawing me into himself. He was letting me know that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. Amen. And so under conviction, I went down and I repented of my sins. And I did what Romans 10, 13 says. I called upon the name of the Lord and I was saved or redeemed or born again at that very instant in my life. Saved. Amen. But as happens a lot in our smaller churches. I really wasn't discipled. Nobody really came along beside of me to show me what it looked like to follow Jesus as a young man. And so I just kind of fell in doing what they were doing and just one thing led to another. And then I just started seeing, it seemed to, I just started following me more than God. And year after year after year rocked on. I mean, I went to church and everything, some, but year after year until finally in 2008, I guess God had had enough. So in May of 2008, I remember me and my wife were sitting at home, right? And we were at home, and I remember I was on the right-hand side of our house, and I was working at my computer, and um, my wife had just got her two boys off to school, my two stepboys, and we were sitting there at about 7 a.m., and she comes walking through the living room, walks into the adjacent bathroom. She shuts and locks the door. She sits down in the corner. She takes out a pistol, puts it to her heart, and pulls the trigger. because the family blamed me for all of that. The two kids were taken away to go live with their real dad who blamed me for all of that. And so ever since the funeral to this day, I haven't seen them, I haven't talked to them, I haven't heard from them. I don't even know where they live at. 
So in essence, when my wife went in there and pulled the trigger on her two self, she might as well pull the trigger on them too. Six months after that, because it was taking both of our income to sustain our house, I lost my house. I don't know what you're probably thinking. You're probably thinking, come on, preacher, dude. We just came to hear some good preaching today. We just came to, to listen to some good praise and worship music today. And here you are laying this heavy story on us, man. This stuff is heavy. We don't want to deal with this, right? I know that's probably what you're thinking. But listen, don't miss this. you got to get this right here. Because at this very moment in my life, at that very instant in my life, I had two ways to run. I could either run to God or away from from God, and I'm praising him today because I ran to him. And when I ran to God, you know what happened? Wow, he just poured out his love on me, and his love for me is so big and so humongous and so all-encompassing, and the cool thing is the Bible says that God didn't have favorites, and so all that love that he poured out on me, out on me that day, he can pour out on you too, sir, and on you too, ma'am, about what you may face tomorrow or the next day or a year from now or five years from now. And then you know what he did? Boom, he gave me Philippians 4, 7. The peace that surpasses all understanding. I wish I could explain it to you, but it surpasses all understanding. I can't. You can't grasp it. It's that awesome. But you know what? Since you didn't have favorites, sir, and since you didn't have favorites, ma'am, all that peace that he poured out on me that day, he can take and pour out on you what you may face tomorrow for what you may face the next day or five years or ten years. It's a game changer. It's why I don't twist and turn at night and have nightmares about what I saw when I kicked in that door that morning. And I'm not going to tell you what I saw when I kicked in that door that morning. I'm just not. But it's a game changer. It's why I can sit up here and talk about it. And if he gave it to me, sir, he can give it to you. He can give it to you. And so now after that, now God is doing good things in my life. That's really Romans 8, 28. For God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so now God is doing good things through my life. But man, when that happened, for that whole year after that happened, man, it was tough. It was hard. All I could do was just run to God. And so during that whole year, that next year, I just ran to God, ran to God, ran to God, just diving into the Word, falling in love with His Word, and just decreasing that He may increase. Amen. I was taking my life's chips, and I was pushing them to the center of their table, and I was saying, okay, God, I'm just going all in for you. Right or wrong, God, your hand is the winning hand. I'm going all in. And so I was just drawing closer to him and drawing closer to him, and he was drawing closer to me. And see, because I had too much in me for him to use, right? He couldn't use me like full of pride and, and, and all of that stuff, so I was just emptying and emptying and emptying, decreasing that he may increase. And a year after that, God called me into the ministry, and he called me as an evangelist. And I've never questioned that call. I know exactly why he called me. I didn't know what it meant when he called me. <laughs> it was so funny. I went and bought a bunch of ties and, uh, you know, a bunch of dress. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I don't think I've preached in a tie like ever. 
but he called me as an evangelist. And so, so now I get to travel around and, and go all over and, and do revivals and harvest days and wild game suppers. And listen, pastor, if you want me to preach on a street corner, just bring a box. We'll set it up and go to town, amen. We'll let it fly. And so now I get to travel around, do all kinds of things. God called me in the prison ministry. And, and so I've, I've preached in prisons all over the place, even in, as far as Brazil. I've seen all kinds of crazy things. But let me tell you, God is doing the work in our prisons. Woo, he is doing the work. I wish you could experience it. When you see 30, 40, 50 men come and weeping to Jesus, man, that will get your mind right. It's pretty incredible what God's doing in our prisons. And I'm also an outdoorsman, right? I'm all, I love to hunting fish. And here most recently it's just been fishing mostly. But I love to do that. And so I get to share the gospel at sporting events and, and outdoors. And uh, I get to share the gospel at bass tournaments that I'm involved in and with. And I've seen a whole bunch of bass, fishing, uh, bass fishermen come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. You see, they fish on Saturday and Sunday. They don't come to church. So they don't hear the gospel that much. And so I'm able to go share it at bass tournaments. It's pretty cool. I think they have a picture of my boat. Show that, brother. Ha! That's my boat. I'm trying to represent, amen. Amen. Can't be ashamed in that boat. I tell you what, you can't cut somebody off in that boat either, amen. <laughs> that boat will hold you accountable. <laughs> But it's opened the door to have so many great conversations. I had a long conversation the other day with an atheist at the boat ramp. So it's really, it's really opened a big door for that. And so now God is doing good things in my life. And quite frankly, I, I just want to tell people about Jesus. Why? Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. You know why I tell people about Jesus? Because I love Jesus. That's why I tell people about him. Not because he's called me as an evangelist. He's given us all the great commission, right? Go ye therefore. When you break that down, church, this is what that means. Jesus says, as you go about your day, tell somebody about me. As you go about your day, tell somebody about me. And so as I go about my day, I just want to tell people about him. Paul said in Romans, he said, how would they believe if they don't hear? How would they hear if nobody tells them? How would they be told if no one is sent? Let me just tell you, sir, ma'am, if you have been born again, redeemed or saved or however you want to put that, then you, sir, and you, ma'am, have been sent. You have you know, in 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says that we are ambassadors for Christ. We are an ambassador for Christ. We represent him wherever we go. It's 24-7. Now, here's the thing, sir. You're either a good ambassador or a bad ambassador, but you are an ambassador. And then he tells us up two verses up in 18, he says that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You know what that means? We are, if, you've been, if you have been saved, you are a minister of the gospel, whether you want to be or not. You are a minister of the gospel. 
You're either a good one or a bad one. But you are a minister nonetheless. That's just is what it is. You know what? For so long, for so many years, I was a bad one. I just want to be a good one now. Don't you just want to be a good one now? Amen. Amen. Just want to be a good one. You know, this is an evangelism conference. That's what it is. It's an evangelism conference. I've been coming to these now for, I don't know, maybe 10, 11 years or so. I started coming with my mentor, Dr. Kenny Joyner. He's here today. And so we started, he started bringing me to these uh, conferences. And, you know, I'm all about telling people about Jesus, right? And so I always want to gauge of, are we telling people about Jesus? And so I just remember every conference I went to, I'd pick out somebody. I'd pick out a, a worker in the, uh, in the church or, or a worker at where the conference was at, uh, uh, maybe a security guard or something. And I'd go up to him and I'd say, hey, let me ask you a question, sir. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody told you today or yesterday, you know, it's a two-day deal, has anybody told you how have you died if you can go to heaven? Has anybody told you these last two days? You know what that answer is? It's no. It's always No. We're at an evangelism conference. I can't wrap my head around that. And then I go out to eat, right? We, we go out to, lunch, uh, to dinner. And so I ask my waiter, ask my waitress, ma'am, sir, has anybody told you the last day or two, if you died, if you go to heaven, uh, how to do that, how to get there? And the answer is always no. So then I, I tell them, I tell them. But I have a hard time wrapping my, my, my head around that. You know, Jesus tells us in Luke 2 that the labors are few. I understand. I, I, I get it. I'm, I'm hoping at the end of the day I'm encouraging us, by the way. I know I'm probably stepping on some toes now. I'm on the front row. I'm preaching to me. Believe me, I'm stepping on my own toes. And you see all the stats that organizations put out about how many believers are actively sharing their faith as they go about their day. You know, some say three, four, five, I, I don't know. I just know it's less than that. If you ask me, in my opinion, only about 2% of all believers actively share their faith as they go about their day. And I'm lumped into that sometimes. And man, even the stats I see on ministers sometimes, even on, on ministers, they put it like 5% of all pastors actively share their faith outside of the pulpit. I minister, I mean, we know what to say, amen. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We don't mind engaging people. Become, uh, become Monday, not so much. Uh, become Thursday, Friday, Saturday, not so much. Doing it from the pulpit. But out there, not so much. Hmm. Hmm. And listen, I get it. I, 
I get it for ministers. I get it for pastors. I don't, pastors, I don't know how you do your job. I, I, I don't know how you, you fulfill your calling. So that, I mean, I know God sustains you, and he's the only way you can do it. Amen. But I saw, I saw another I saw another survey from last year. It said 42%, 42% of all pastors have seriously thought about leaving the ministry because they're depressed and just beat down and it's just so hard. Like I said, I don't understand how you, you get through it sometimes. It's got to be so hard. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of pastors here today. And you know what? A lot of you guys are hurting. A lot of you guys are hurting right now. You ain't told your wife. You ain't told a deacon. But dude, you're going through it. You're in a fight. And I understand that, man, because the devil is after you every single day. He's trying to steal your, your joy. He's trying to take your passion away. He's trying to take your zeal away. He's doing everything he can, and sometimes he comes straight at you, and then sometimes he'll come at you through a church member. Amen, preacher. It's just constant, constant, it's constant. Just beat down. Oh, I know another guy like that. I know, I know. Hang on, pastor, hang on. L let me read it. Psalms 143, it's David. Check this out. Sir, ma'am, check this out. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplication. Answer me in your faithfulness, in your righteousness. And do not enter into judgment with your servant. For in your sight, no man living is righteous. Verse 3. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in dark places like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart is appalled within me. Dude, this is David, the man that's after God's own heart. That's who this is. And he's found himself in a bad spot. He's in a bad place. A lot of our pastors are in a bad place right now. So I get it. I understand it. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in dark places like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart is appalled within me. He's in a bad spot. And then verse 5. This is what he says in verse 5. He says, our, he actually says something that's odd to me. He makes an odd statement. It's like it doesn't belong almost. He, he, he says something. This is what he says. He says, I remember the days of old. I remember the days of old. Wow. It, it's almost like he stops lamenting to God and he just takes a step back for a moment. It's almost like he's daydreaming for a second. He, he, he's sitting there just lamenting to God and just praying and everything. And he just stops and he just says, but I remember the days of old. It's almost like he's looking back in his past. He's looking back. He, and just me, I'm thinking, wow, I wonder what he's thinking. Boy, I bet he's thinking something like this. I remember the days of old. Ooh, I remember. I remember when I was out watching my sheep. 
for my dad. I remember when the bear or the lion would come and snatch one of the lambs away, and I would track him down, and I would chase him down, and I would rescue that lamb. And when the bear or the lion rose up against me, I would kill him. And he's probably thinking, I remember the days of old. I remember those days when I was passionate and I was zealous. I remember when my father, Jesse, wanted me to take some food to the front line, uh, to my brothers who was in the army of Israel. And so I, I went to the camp. They wasn't in the camp. So I went to the front line. They was on the front line. And I was talking to them. And then I saw this big, huge, humongous man, this giant of a man. I think his name was Goliath. Amen. And so I, he said, I remember him coming out and he was screaming and hollering across the valley twice a day and taunting our God. He said, I remember that. And I told him, I said, is there not a cause? And so I said, I'll fight him. And don't you just know David was remembering all this. He says, I'll fight him. I'll, I'll just go pick up a couple of stones right now. I'll take my sling. And the Bible says, the Bible says that David ran quickly to the battle. He ran quickly to the battle. And of course, we know the story. He slayed the giant, right? He hit him with the rock. He ran up to him, took his own sword, and cut off his own head. Don't you know David is just recalling, wow, just remember how it used to be. Man, I was so passionate. I was so zealous. And here I am. I'm beat down. I remember the days of old. I remember the days of old. Pastor, you remember? Pastor, you remember when you were so zealous for God? Do you remember, ma'am, after you got saved, how excited you was for Jesus? Do you remember those days, how you went and just told everybody about Jesus? You didn't care who was coming against you or nothing like that? Pastor, do you remember when you was teaching soul winning in your church and y'all would go out on visitation, just knock on doors, telling everybody about Jesus? COVID who? Who cares? Do you remember? Those days, do you remember? David again, David again. Psalms 51, let me read it. David is crying out, right? He's crying out in repentance. This is a look at personal revival. This is a look at personal revival right here. Ministers, lay people. Believer just isn't witnessing. This is a, this, this, for me. You know what? I get so caught up sometimes in my own agenda and doing my own thing that I pass by those divine appointments that God has set up for me each and every day. Sometimes I get so busy, 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 I just miss them. I know I do. I can always get closer to Jesus. He said it starts with repentance. It, it all starts with repentance. And here David, the man after God's own heart, he's just throwing it out there. He's, this is what he says. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Here it is. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. 
Wow, did you catch that? Did we catch that? David says, when I repent and I'm going to run back to God, run back to Jesus, right? And when I get close to Jesus, you know what happens? He restores to us the joy of our salvation. We get our zeal back. We get our passion back. Man, it's just all about him, right? Then Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through, through Christ that strengthened me, kicks in, right? And he says, once I get back close to Jesus and I get my passion and my zeal back, somebody's going to hear about Jesus and somebody's going to get saved. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm doing today? I'm running back. I'm running back, sir. I'm running back. Won't you run with me? Won't you run with me? There's people out there, they need you. There's people out there, the lost, they need you. God don't need you. He can use a donkey. Amen. But his desire is to use us. He wants to use us. There's no better pinnacle for me as a Christian than to be used by the Almighty God. Won't you run with me? Won't you start this conference off? Getting peace and running with me. So this is what I'm going to do. Well, how much time I got? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a minute, sir. And I'm going to take a minute, ma'am. And I'm going to the altar. Won't you run with me? Won't you run with me? Won't you run with me? So I'm going to the altar. If anybody wants to join me, won't you run with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the message you have given us. And God, we do want to just be all in for you. That's what we're all doing today, Father. You alone are worthy. And so God, just restore us. Restore us, God, the joy of our salvation. God, bring back that passion. Bring back that zeal. God, we know others need you. You tell us to love others as ourselves. And so God, strengthen each one of us in here today.
Strengthen us, God. And Father, go before us as we go about our day today. Set up those divine appointments for us, God. Prompt our hearts, Father, when to share. And we're going to share about you, God. We're going to tell them about you. We're going to tell them how they can go to heaven one day, how they can be forgiven of their sins. We're going to tell them we're not going to be ashamed of you, God. So, God, just have your way in my life, God. Have your way in these men's life and these ladies' life. God, just do, just, just use us, God. Father, here we are. Here we are. Put us to work. We love you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.